Thank you for tuning in to the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, two-time acrobatic gymnastics world champion, USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, and world-class circus hand balancer. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment in support of the podcast, which is available on all platforms. Enjoy the show. Check out my new pro series, Think Like an Acrobat, which is available exclusively on Circus Talk. It's pro tips for professionals within the circus arts industry. Join the Live Like an Acrobat podcast on Patreon. Become a patron. Enjoy early episode releases of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast and stay tuned for more exclusive content to come in the future as the community grows. Help me, your host, Shanae Stiletto, to keep bringing you the creatively innovative episodes that you've grown to love by signing up at www.patreon.com slash live like an acrobat podcast. I hope to see you on Patreon and thank you so much for your support of the podcast. It's my intention that the Live Like an Acrobat podcast will make a lasting positive impact on the circus arts world, performing arts world, creative entrepreneurship world, and acrobatic gymnastics competitive world at large. My guest on this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast is founder of Brown Girls Do Gymnastics, Darren Moore. Brown Girls mm-hmm. Do Gymnastics is an advocacy organization helping to guide brown girls through their acrobatic careers. They are striving for more diversity and inclusion in gymnastics and circus arts. Founded by Darren Moore in 2015, BGDG provides access, coaching, training, and other forms of support to athletes from underrepresented and marginalized groups. Brown Girls Do Gymnastics hopes to make positive change in the lives of individuals in the sport of gymnastics and in the practice of circus arts. BGDG has hosted five annual Brown Girls Do Gymnastics conferences, three in Atlanta, Georgia, one virtually due to COVID, and their latest was hosted by Grambling State University. This year, their sixth annual conference will be hosted by Fisk University and held on their campus in Nashville, Tennessee. Their conferences have grown exponentially in participation since their inaugural year, and they hope that it continues to grow. They have had 400 plus families from 26 states attend, along with national judges, elite coaches, physical therapists, and college recruiters who lead workshops for their gymnasts and parents. Thank you so much, Darren, for coming on to the podcast. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It is a pleasure, Darren. You have an extraordinary effort with Brown Girls Do Gymnastics. And I just wanted to do a shout out to Fisk University. I mean, it's the first HBCU that has a gymnastics team. Yeah. That's historic. It's amazing. (laughs) You are a part of, I mean, how does that feel? That is amazing. It feels, it's surreal still. Um, I I can't wait to be on the campus and to actually see it happening. Um, we know it and we've been working on it, but to see it on the campus, um, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Um, I'm super excited. <laughs> I don't think that a lot of people or enough people know that that did not exist before. I mean, yeah. and there's been, you know, a very reputable gymnast, gymnasts, obviously that have pulled out from big, big uh, gymnastics teams at different universities and colleges to end up going to FIS to join this all uh, black and brown girl gymnastics team. I mean, it's really something they've, um, I've been seeing online, you know, some people are, it's, you know, it's been controversial, even people kind of upset, um, some people thinking why, and, you know, others just, again, like all of us rejoicing and me just realizing like, wow, why hasn't that existed until yeah. now? Um, and in 2022, it's finally here. What was like the road to that like, Darren? I mean, again, it's, it's people are all over the place about this. Yeah, it's, um, the road has been long. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Is it? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So seven years ago is when we, we, um, started Brown Girls Do Gymnastics. And, um, from the onset, we started like the campaign. Um, we didn't call it campaign at the time, but, um, we just wanted to let people know that there were no, um, HBCU gymnastics programs. And so we started with just, um, let me tell him to turn this down. Give me one second. Coop, can you turn the volume down a little bit? It's too loud. Sorry. Um, we started by just um, uh, posting the, the logo of an HBCU 
and um, adding gymnastics on the on the bottom of it. Um, and it was actually Clark because, um, well, I'm not in Atlanta right now, but live in Atlanta. And um, and so people were responding in inbox and like, oh, I didn't know Clark had a gymnastics team. And it's like they don't. <laughs> and um, and of course, and uh, um, and actually, there are no HBCUs with gymnastics. You know, so it was just like getting the word out. Um, that was seven years ago. And then um, we had our first conference, and you know, the parents that were coming um, to the conference, a lot of them had gone to HBCUs. Um, and started asking questions like, how do we help, da-da-da. Um, and so the conference kind of became this hub for HBCU gymnastics. Um, so parents would come to the conference and they would have their HBCU T-shirts on, and um, the kids would have their HBCU, you know, just because of uh, their parents and families, their family school. Um, and so it just became a um, campaign of, like, awareness just to get the word out. Um, and again, seven years ago. And so the momentum picked up, um, really, really picked up in 2020, um, which is unfortunate in a certain way because um, it picked up because of George Floyd's murder, honestly. Um, it was a moment where people were paying attention to Black folks. And so um, USA Gymnastics um, reached out and wanted to post that, um, a, a post that we had about uh, HBCU Gymnastics Day um, was something that we um, kind of came up with a, another way to just get the word out again. Like everything that we were doing was like, hey, we're here and there's no gymnastics at HBCUs. Um, and so uh, USA reached out and they wanted to post for us. And we kind of went back and forth a little bit because I didn't want to be a part of something that was just like... Um, that was just for show, you know, like I wanted something that like, if you're going to post this for Brown girls, then we need a little something a little bit more substantial. And um, USA was actually, um, they were open to to the conversation and doing a little bit more than just posting. And, um, but from there, um, we got, a, I, I think we got about 10,000 signatures on our petition in like a week. It was like crazy. Um, all we needed was just that one big account to put it out there. And then people were like, wait a minute, there's no gymnastics. And we're like, yeah, we've been saying the same thing for three or four years. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was like the momentum that we needed. Um, and from there, um, Gremlin reached out and um, really wanted to support. Um, they hosted the conference last year and, when I say they hosted, they rolled out the red carpet. They were so, um, so nice. Um, they got sponsorship for the conference. Um, it was beautiful. Um, and they have an amazing sports arena. So the backdrop of all of that was amazing also. Um, and so I, I, just the momentum, the ball's still rolling and rolling. Um, there was a conversation that happened between um, a, pa a gymnastics parent who has been involved in Brown Girls and her uncle, who happens to be a trustee at Fisk. And um, she says, uh, he, well, she, he was asking her daughter, um, where are you going to school? And she's naming all these PWIs. And he was like, well, where are the HBCUs? And she's like, I'm a gymnast. And he was like, so, you know, and um, she was like, you know, there's no um gymnastics at HBCUs. And he was like, no, that's not possible. What about Howard? What about FAMU? Like naming all the big schools. And she was like, no, you know? And um, he was like, well, I, I think maybe we can make some noise. And he went back to Fisk and yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was so fast. Um, she was like, let me put you in touch with Darren. She's been trying to get gymnastics to HBCUs. And we got on a call and he, it was like, well, I couldn't see his face, but just his voice, like, he was so excited, like he was ready to make it happen. Um, and within like I, the, my first conversation with him, so their their conversation happened at Thanksgiving. So end of November, they launched this program February. That's how fast. Yeah, that's how fast it happened. Um, but it's, and I feel like that's the, um, I'm talking a lot, sorry. <laughs> um, but, we went through the whole journey. This is amazing. This is historic. And for those listening out there too, um, if you're unfamiliar with what HBCU stands for, it's Historically Black Colleges. 
And the enemy a little bit of that too. But Darren, please continue because I would also like to know why, like, why did this never exist? Do you think why why was there never a gymnastics team for a historically black college before? Even though there is us, there have been brown gymnasts all over, and now there's you know multiplying all over. But yeah. Excuse me. I really think it's it just boils down to um, to access and, and education. Um, I so I mean this is I guess anecdotal, but um, so the head coach at Rutgers University, she's black, um, competed. Um, well, I guess it's okay to say competed in the eighties. Nineties, um, eighties, um, and um, she competed for West Virginia, and um, and she um, won. Her family, like Howard, is a family school for her, um, and so she went to um, a, a fair, a, jo- a college fair, and went to Howard's table, and she was like, "Well, do you have a gymnastics team?" Because you know she was a good gymnast, and she got a scholarship. And um, they were like, oh, no, we're a black school. Um, and that was their answer. And that they were comfortable saying that. And they thought that that was an OK thing to say. And, and probably back, in, back then it was kind of an OK thing to say. Um, but that was the sentiment. Um, it's a black school. So we just don't do that. Um, you, you can cheerlead. Like, there's, there's cheerleading. Um, and I was told the same thing. I, um, I went to Xavier, which is an HBCU. And... Um, after talking to a professor, you know, she was like, well, you should get back into gymnastics and went to the administration. And well, I thought that I could start a gymnastics team, but at 18, you know, you think you can do everything. Um, and so um, went to the administration was like, hey, look, can we start a gymnastics team? And they were like, no, you go cheerlead. You just go do cheerleading, you know? Um, so I think there's a bit of like, this is what we do. You know, we're an HBCU. We play football and basketball and we have a band and we have cheerleaders and majorettes. And that's what we do. Um, And so there's no room for anything else. It's kind of like what I think the mindset was for a really long time. Um, And then I also feel like the black community, just even though we were there, you know, um, and been there for a long time, like, um, I mean, I was always like one of two or three um, gymnasts, but we were there, you know. Um, I also was coached by a couple of black coaches, male and female. Um, so we've been a part of the sport, but I think the black community just d- didn't know. They just assumed like this is a white sport, um, like you can call something a white sport, but you know what I mean? Um, and so because this is a black school, then we're, we're not going to, we're not even thinking about doing gymnastics. Um, and I think for, for Fisk actually, specifically Fisk, um, is such a small school. Um, they're so big on academia. Um, seeing that gymnasts, um, typically do well in school and that a lot of gymnasts, um, or a lot of gymnasts now, especially like the girls that have been recruited, um, they want to go into like STEM majors. And that's a big thing for Fisk also. So it's like this population is directly the population that we want at Fisk. We want the girls who have these high GPAs and that are disciplined and, you know, and that's like, that's what a gymnast is, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that like I'm the smartest person in the world because I was a gymnast, but <laughs> we, we, I mean, we got to keep it together. <laughs> like what you said, the discipline. I mean, it just it spills into every single aspect of your life. If you have access to going to gym, you're going to make sure that everything is in order, that your grades are right, that you've got your exactly. work done. And you learn a lot of adulting from a very young age. And that's, again, like you said, it can be the creme de la creme. And uh, I think that's one of the beautiful foundations of what gymnastics provides you for the rest of your life, which, again, we get to see people expanding into these environments and seeing the goodness for what it is in that way. And I love that. I love that that spilled over for them to see um, how they're all interconnected. Yeah. 
They were so excited. Um, one of the gymnasts that um, was recruited, um, actually, she was one of the first. Um, she has a weighted GPA of 4.8. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and she um, she wants to be a doctor, a medical doctor. And when she went on the visit, um, you know, Fisk has lawyers, doctors, like that's what, that's their alum. You know, like that's, that's who they are, you know? I mean, of course some business folks too, but, um, they went on campus and they're, in, they're introducing her to doctors who, you know, um, Nashville has, um, Fisk, Tennessee State, Meharry, Meharry's Medical School, one of the only black medical schools. I think there's maybe three now. Um, I was going to say two, maybe three. Um, but Fisk, uh, is a feeder school from Harry. And so she's on campus and um, wants to be a doctor, wants to go pre-med. And she sees these Fiskites or, you know, alums who went to Fisk and that's who she wants to be. And, um, and so, yeah, it's like, why would you not want to go to this place where you see people who look just like you and who are doing exactly what you want to do? And you get to do your sport that you've done since you were five, you know? Um, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's everything. I, you know, again, these things didn't exist when I was growing up, when you were growing up and back to Brown girls do gymnastics. I mean, again, didn't exist for my generation, for your generation. I think about what it would have been like to grow up in an environment where Brown girls do gymnastics existed. And I'd love to hear about your journey to creating Brown Girls Do Gymnastics, Darren, um, what started that inspiration inside of you to create this collective to support Brown Girls doing gymnastics. Like you were saying, for you, even there was just like one or two um, Brown Girls doing gymnastics when you were little. And for me too, I grew up as like the singular brown black girl doing gymnastics. Um, my sister competed with me for a little bit um, and my brother, but you know, we could count the brown girls doing yeah. gymnastics and acrobatics in our hand um, throughout our entire career. And there's much more diversity and access now, but a lot of the um, issues are very, are very much the same, which is really interesting when I get reflections back from current um, brown and black gymnasts um, and acrobats out there. So what was your journey like and what got you to just like enough is enough? We need to create a space for mm -hmm. brown girls to do gymnastics. Yeah, um, I get asked that question a lot. And every time I'm stumped because because um, I feel like the journey was was well before Brown Girls Do Gymnastics, the organization actually existed. Um, I, my mom, my mom, well, I try not to talk about my mom because I don't want her to like beat me up later. She won't. But, um, <laughs> but she, she used to call me, well, she would, she had said a couple of times, like, you're my little militant. Um, and not, you know, not that way. But I, I was always the kid who like, if this is the thing that's right and this is what I feel is right, then this has to happen, you know? Um, and so that's kind of always been me. Um, even when I was a little kid, I, I knew that I wanted to, what well, I, I knew and then I, I kind of forgot because I got older and, you know, thought I was a grown up. But um, I wanted a gym. I wanted to coach gymnastics and I wanted a gym. Um, and, and I wanted to be, I knew that being a black coach was different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so it was always like a thing that I wanted. Um, and I went to school and then of course, you know, couldn't, you can't major in gymnastics or not in the States that I know of. Um, and, um, but when I was in college, um, a friend of mine, so it was, I had two roommates, um, one who um, actually, her major was Spanish and political science, but she wanted to be a chef at some point. And then another roommate was a writer. And so we had this idea that we would um, have this like center for children and I would coach gymnastics and they would do their thing. And um, and so it that kind of sparked it again for me. Um, but I knew that I wanted to coach black children, um, not to exclude anybody else, but I knew that um, if, if there was a place that was what I wanted when I was a kid, mm -hmm. then somebody else wants it too, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And um, and so I started coaching in New Orleans. Um, I actually coached at a gym that was all black. Um, moved to Atlanta, um, kept coaching, and then decided um, it's time for me to start this program. Um, I knew I wanted to be in an underserved community. Um, and so all of this happening, um, like just a part of my coaching career. Um, and so my gym was in Decatur, um, very, very underserved um, as far as like non-traditional sports, um, extracurricular activities in general, um, for the most part. I mean, there's like football and basketball, but even those sports, they're not like club sports. Um, they were like kind of rec league, you know? Um, and there was, so there's an organization called Broncos Do Ballet. Um, mm-hmm. They actually posted something on Instagram and said, um, uh, so we've, you know, we're finished this year. What do you think we should do this year, next year? Excuse me. And I say, start a gymnastics one. And, um, and she, um, I just kind of left it. I typed it and then I left it. And then I came back and I was like, I haven't gotten any pings, you know, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> um, and it was gone. My comment was gone. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, and I go and look at my inbox and, um, and she had messaged me and she said, um, well, why don't you start it? And I was like, uh, no, no, ma'am. You do it. I, I was like, no, I already have a gym and uh-uh, no, I don't, you know, yeah, and you know, the circus troupe and yeah, I was like, no. company that you run, which I'd love to get and talk about that too, Darren, we'll, we'll segue into that too. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I said no and she was, um, well, I know you have a gym and she looked at, look up, looked up my stuff and she was like, well, just go get the domain. She was like, somebody's probably already seen the comment, so and which is why she took it down. She was like, just go get the domain. And if you don't want to do it, then fine. But at least we have the domain. And so I get the domain. And of course, people like me, like, and you too, I'm sure, you get an idea. And now the idea sounds great. And now somebody's pushed you a little bit. And so now there's this thing. Um, this thing will not leave you alone. Right? Will not leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Like the podcast that I held on, held off on for almost what ten years, before yeah. I actually did it. And you know, I was like, I should have done it sooner, but I'm glad that I did. But you're serving that amazing need because it's there, and someone yeah. will take it out of the ether. But you know, it's it's definitely there. And shout out to also to to uh, made me think of Misty Copeland with saying Brown Girls Do Ballet. Um, yeah. Obviously, she's just been a fore, uh, front runner and uh, so incredible with her activism representing Brown Girls in ballet spaces. And she's inspired me so much. And um, you know, and I think she's she's having a baby right now. So there's just oh, so much. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know when she's due, but she looked very pregnant when I saw her on her Instagram. So oh, it's like, so cool. <laughs> Misty soon. Another <laughs> Misty. I know. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so you got the domain and then, you know, spirits were, you know, gnawing at you, life, the universe, everybody was yeah. coming at you. Please do this. <laughs> Birth it. Yeah. And it, it, it started. So Brown Girls Do Ballet, the, the founder is a um, photographer. And so her, Instagram is beautiful. Um, it's like all of these gorgeous photos and not just photos, like even video, like it's beautiful. Like for, I don't know anything about ballet, um, well, outside of gymnastics, ballet stuff, but um, just, it's, I mean, it's gorgeous. Everybody go look. Brown girls do ballet. It's beautiful. Um, but I am not a photographer. I am a coach. And so I was posting, but it was like, this is not, this is not the same brand. Like I, this doesn't look anything like that. Like my pictures are pretty horrible. Um, and I was like going into the gym and like taking, I was trying to be all like artistic and take pictures of my kid's toe point. And it's like, that ain't it. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, what, wh- who, what's Brown girls do gymnastics? Um, because you know, like mm-hmm. this Instagram thing is just not it. Like I'm not a photographer and the conference, it was like, 
what's the thing that we need the most in gymnastics for brown girls? Um, and throughout the years of me coaching, um, both in New Orleans and Atlanta, it was the parents didn't um, they didn't understand the sport. Um, they you know they understood. And I was just explaining this to some a parent today. Like they 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 can understand basketball. Like if you're four and you're playing basketball, you dribble the basketball and you put it in a hoop. That's basketball, you know. Gymnastics. When people see gymnastics, what they what they see is girls doing big flips, you know, um, and like big stuff on beam and big stuff on bars. But they don't understand that like you got to go level one, two, three, four, you know, um, and so that was always a challenge, like in the gym, um, generationally not doing gymnastics. Um, our, our folks, um, well, black and brown folks in general, I feel like, but also just like the community that I was in, um, teaching about the, like the, just the resources in general, how you can get things to, so they can do gymnastics. Um, how do you, how, how does the recruiting process work? Where does my daughter need to be in the ninth grade to get a collegiate scholarship? Um, all of these things, were, these were the issues that I've found, you know? Um, and so the thought was, well, what if we could have like this conference or clinic where the parents could learn um, and the parent and the kids could just come and train together? Because if they're coming from all these different places, we don't want coaches being mad at us that we're teaching them these skills or teaching them these like drills that the coach might not want when they go back. Um, so how can we do some gymnastics, but teach like what is needed in the community? Mm -hmm. um, and so the conference idea happened and that's where Brown Girls, I feel like really got its footing, you know? Um, it's it's community-based and it, and it is like, advocating for the girls in the space of gymnastics. Um, like why, why did you put this child at Excel instead of putting her at level seven USA to move on to upper optionals? Um, did you do it because you felt like she wasn't gonna be able to matriculate in gymnastics because she's maybe because of where she lives or Maybe her knees are a little knobby right now, um, you know? Um, and so it's, instead of it being this beautiful piece of art, which is what Brown Girls Do Ballet is, um, and in its own right, gorgeous. And they, you know, donate um, point shoes and ballet shoes and the things that girls need for ballet. So it's not just this beautiful thing, um, but it is beautiful. <laughs> and, <laughs> of that they give access um and so for us it was the community and it was advocating and um a little more like boots on the ground type work you know mm -hmm. um, which is know answering you but yeah <laughs> you are you are and please and please keep going because this is so informative informative about the difference and what the hurdles are within the brown community of keeping a child in gymnastics and getting them to university collegiate level olympic level i mean it was it was a village when i grew up and when i was doing acrobatic gymnastics which is even another hurdle because there is zero yeah. pathways to a college scholarship so that was a big hurdle for my family who yeah. need to be a neurosurgeon i was on the track to being a doctor and they were thinking, where is this going? Um, you can go as far as you can go. And then what about your degree? And so for me, it ended up, you know, it, it ended up going into circus. But I think that there is such a profound need for Brown Girls Do Gymnastics. And if you've experienced it firsthand, and if you grew up with this, and then also too, just mentoring that I've been doing on and off for the last you know, many years and since I've retired, which has been a very long time as well. And the biggest thing for parents is where does this take my child? Where yeah. does it eventually take them? You see with sponsorships in normal sports like basketball or like football, you see mm -hmm. 
path there of where it can take them, how famous maybe they can get, um, which again is changing within this world. But in terms of sponsorships, in terms of what is going to be your career post this and what are the channels, I feel like that's one of the most important things that parents need to be told so they can be comforted about their child's future. Like we're not going to invest this much time, money and effort if she's just going to be broken or because it's also, I think, a misconception that you maybe just end up broken. You, um, you, uh, you, you retire out very early, um, and then you don't have this amazing talent to use anywhere. And I oftentimes get the, the, the questions of where does this talent evolve into? What are the different spheres? And there is so much more access now too, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and especially in terms of going from gymnastics, going from college, going into circus, potentially going into coaching, starting gyms, um, you know, creating your own network, um, creating your own brand, um, you know, which we've seen a lot of gymnasts being able to do now too, which is so important, especially with the NCAA. Now you can accept private money. I mean, that was a game changer that I was, you know, I was against that for so long. I can't believe it took this long. Um, You know, just for listeners out there before, if you competed and you wanted to go to college and a sponsor like Nike came to you and said, we want to give you like $10 million to rep for Nike. You had to choose between the $10 million of Nike for Nike or going to get your college education. Yep. You could not do both. And you would be locked out. Even if you went on the Olympic tour, when I went on two Olympic tours, the gymnast that I was with, several of them did the Olympic tours for free, just so yeah. they could go to college and get their scholarships. So it was, you know, it was very unfair and it's been very unfair for a long time. But again, those are different floodgates that have opened up too that create an enormous amount of opportunity for brown girls in a way that was not there at all. And again, with social media access, people are able to see much more representation and see themselves uh, through the eyes of other gymnasts um, that are doing potentially what they want to do or what they what they could do. So I, I would say 100%, especially even now in circus too, you know, Darren, I get asked a lot of how do we bring more um, black and brown bodies into circus? And I say, well, it's a lot about being in the community and speaking um, about, you know, diet, about um, the type of rigorous training, about the day-to-days, what that looks like. And these are just very unique concepts that, again, within the Black community, we just have not really been in touch with as much um, over the years. Um, we know discipline, but again, in a, in a much more traditional stance, but it's beautiful to see it opening up. The minds open up within the community and then the minds open up within the broader community also. Um, we know that this is something you should keep your your brown your brown daughter in, <laughs> your brown <Yeah>. son in, <laughs> keep yeah. them there. Um, there is there is more for them, uh, in, you know, to 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 work from and to go from. So, in speaking to Darren about um, you know brown versus gymnastics, how that has um, evolved, where it's gone, what also too started you looking into the circus arts world um, with having brown and black circus artists because you are one of very few event planners that uh, runs a, a circus events company in America. You are, there are so few of you. And when I say things like that to, to, to people, you know, within the industry or just at large, they just, they don't believe it. They, they're like, you know, they're like, no, you know, I'm like, no, there really is very, very few um, event companies that are run that support um, circus and then also to support black circus performers. And, Obviously, you are very diverse in who you hire as well. So it's not just only black and brown performers, but um, it's uh, it's obviously a focus on that, um, uh, which I think is very valuable and important uh, because I oftentimes and continue to speak on the lack of black and brown bodies in circus and the level of opportunity. And even if we are there, us not having access to those good jobs, to those events, yeah. um, and seeing that change through. Uh, your efforts, uh, for example, which is uh, really amazing. I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to work with you last year um, at a fantastic event um, that we uh, did together. So I would love to hear of how that ended up, you know, kind of evolving into that too and how they're connected. Yeah. Whoa. Um, how how they're connected, That that's kind of, it's cool that they're connected and I didn't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I started circus late, um, compared to, well, I guess it depends on who you're talking to, but, um, you know, the circus families and, you know, like late, um, which community, you know, for others, you're early. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Never know. <laughs> but, um, there's a circus circus camp here in Atlanta. I keep saying here. I'm not in Atlanta right now. But in Atlanta, there's a circus camp um, that's run for, oh, probably 30 years now. Um, and so I was teaching gymnastics at a private school and the circus camp would rent out that school for their circus camp during the summer. Mm. Um, and I didn't know it until this one year, um, someone asked me to coach the acrobats at the circus camp. Mm. And, um, and I was like, oh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> I guess that's how all the things happen, right? Um, and uh, I, they were like, "Why? You know, I think you'd be really good at it." And I was like, "I don't know anything about clowns, and you know, like I—that's all I knew about circus. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about circus." Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, "Yeah, I don't know how to teach that." Um, and so in my in my mind, circus. I mean, again, there's clowns and animals and. I see acrobats in my in my head at the time, but they were like the back handsprings that undercut, you know, and go like super, super fast. I don't know how to do that. Like I'm a gymnast, you know? And um, so I said no, and I said no a couple of times. And I was like, okay, I'll, let me just see what this looks like. Um, ironically, a gymnastics coach who's a little bit older than me, Miss um, Lisa, I call her one of my gymnastics mamas, um, had tickets to Cirque du Soleil. And, um, and I almost didn't go. But she was like, you should come. It's a cool, you know. And so I went and um, and was so impressed. Like, I I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not like a circus that I know about. You know, I grew up going to like Ringland type Barnum, Barnum, Barnum and Bailey type circus, which is, I mean, fine. But the Cirque du Soleil, the contemporary circus really, really like spoke to me in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really got into circus camp and wanted to learn. Um, I. I got stuck in the trapeze that same summer um, because the coaches were like, oh, you can already do this. Okay, we'll do this and do this. And um, and because I didn't know the equipment, I literally was stuck. They, they I like wrapped myself up and um, they had to like too high somebody and get the ropes from around my leg. It was crazy. But anyway. Um, <laughs> that is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I bit the bug, um, the circus bug, um, and, um, start, I coached for them another year. Um, I saw that there was like a way that I could do this circus thing, um, in a more like, um, I could advance more. Um, so what I was seeing in the circus camp, these are children, um, but I saw that the staff people were doing like bigger circus and I wanted to know more. Um, and then I thought I had the idea. I thought this was my idea to like <laughs> sell these acts, you know, like what if we did this at a nightclub? Um, little did I know that there was this place called Vegas that was doing that already, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and not like you were about to do in Atlanta. It's insane. <laughs> It's different, Darren. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so there, me and this girl, Sarah and Leanna, we were um, around the same age. You're a little bit younger than me. Um, Leanna was a gymnast. Um, Sarah had done circus since she was like eight. Um, and so we put together this little um, troupe, kind of, and we would um, perform. And um and then I saw that, so because Leanna and I were gymnasts and we did circuses different way, um, it was like, I could teach the kids at the gym. I could teach in-flight kids, like my my kids in Decatur, circus. Um, and it could be a, a out, like, not an out from gymnastics, but um, you know what happens. Like you, you get to level six, seven, and some girls plateau or they want to go be a cheerleader or they want to have fun with their friends. And so being in the gym 15, 20 hours a week, it's just not what they want to do. Um, and so it was like, we can keep them in the gym. Yes. We can do circus. Yes. You know? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they can do circus two days a week for like two or three hours a day, but they can still be in the gym. Um, and so that's what we did. And um, we actually had, what'd you say? And have a career. Yes. And then yes. Yeah. You know, from your 50 or 20 hours a week to your two days and you got a career. Yeah. Money. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, we had girls who actually, um, we would score them out and they would, we would score them out. A couple of girls we had to make score out. We were like, at least score out. So if you don't want to stay in circus, you go want to go back to gymnastics, you don't have to score out again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of girls, you know, got to level seven and decided they wanted to stay with us and do circus instead of moving on. Um, so it it really, I don't know, it became this like, I don't know, like it was it was opening their eyes to something that they hadn't seen before or didn't think was even possible before. Um, and then it was also a way for them to like be in a place where they're safe and they can um, like uh, still have this like time management um, component, you know, like there's still something that you have to go to at least two or three days a week instead of being at home watching TV, you know, Um, but not as strenuous as competitive gymnastics. Um, Right. Which is hard. It's not not for everyone and that's okay. Yeah. But I've been heartbroken many times by seeing um, girls um, cycle out and not use that skill for the rest of their lives. And getting even to those levels, even if it's not the elite level, is hard. You've put in a lot of hours. A lot of work, exactly, to just let it go. To just let it go. And Mm -hmm. this is a way to not let it go. So please continue, Darren. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, It... It really is, even for me, like, well, now I'm almost, well, I'm closer to 50 than 40. And, um, and like, I will always be able to do a handstand. I will always be able to climb silks. I will always be able to do a pull-up, you know, um, even with this extra 25 pounds. Like, you know, it's, it's being able to move my body in this way um, that my body wants to do because my body's been doing it since I was five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the girls at our gym, um, who now have a place to go. So instead of, um, so, so, and we do, we do circus very similarly than, uh, to gymnastics. We do level one, two, three, four, we go up in levels the same way that we do in gymnastics, mm-hmm. um, gymnastics, you go compete and then possibly get college scholarship with, with circus, you can perform with the actual troupe. Um, and then you, um, you can, your junior, uh, pre-pro junior troop, and then you can join the troop. Um, and so it's a way for them to like graduate into something, you know? Um, and then you saw our troop or a couple people from the troop, um, that we people it's, it's like your, your whole troop is black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole troop. The whole troop is everyone. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, and we definitely like um hire other people, you know. Um and we're in Atlanta and the, there's a big circus community in Atlanta. Um so if a if a event calls for something that we either don't have inside of our troop or we don't like have the availability, we bring on other people, you know. Um I mean, not like that thing. We got white friends. No, it's not that. Like, we definitely, you know. Um, but very, it, very diverse. Yes, 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 very. Um, but we, for a while, I I didn't want it to be a black a black um, troop. I didn't want us to be all black because I was afraid that people wouldn't hire us, honestly. Um, and then yeah. I was like, you know what? No, like that's fine. It's fine that we're all black. And this is, there's something to that, you know, there's, um, we just, we did a coming to America, um, uh, birthday party. It was a surprise party for celebrity surprise party. And they wanted the whole thing coming to America. Um, and our troop could do it. And why? Because (laughs) 
It's pretty amazing. Like there's just these, you know, these like cultural, like I really want to do coming um color purple. Like I really want to do color purple. Um and we started some work on it. Um but we got to get through the summer and all of these camps first. But um, but it's like, you know, that's something that we can do. And color purple is so big in the black community. And then you add circus to color purple. Like, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> People are going to fall out, Darren. You, you have to come and be a part of it. So. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I didn't think it would be amazing. <laughs> I'm able to. I will. Yeah, please do. Please. <laughs> that is amazing. And again, like what you're saying, there's all of these beautiful, beautiful ideas that wouldn't be able to be realized if you didn't have that level of adequate representation. That is so beautiful, which shows people why that matters and why that's so important. And I did spiral back around because we're going to wind down a little bit, but um, to, to come back to the conference and the special guests that you do have this year, I mean, we would be amiss if not n noting for those listening in, who is a special guest coming this year? Because she's, she's really amazing. And I think people want to know who she has coached. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we have Amy and I, I, Borman is how it's spelled, so I'm going to say Borman. Um, you know, you never even say people's names these days because you just see it online. Um, but Simone Biles' coach will be at the conference. Um, we are super excited about that. Wow. Her original coach, everyone. Her original coach. The one yeah. that, you know, the one that started it all. And the coach that saw, you know, so much in her and, and poured so much love and so much goodness into her. She's so amazing. That's yeah. incredible. I'm so happy for you guys that you're able to have her there. I mean, that must just be like for the kids. Yeah. The kids and the parents. The parents are probably more excited. <laughs> Yeah, now that you're saying it, yeah, for sure. The kids are going to, the parents are way more excited because they understand better. <laughs> <We're not laughs> I maybe, not, maybe wouldn't have gotten in the exact same way, but yeah. <laughs> <That> proximity, <laughs> proximity to the yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's that's so amazing. So everyone listening in, you know, I mean, Simone Biles, original coach, um, is going to be there um, at your uh, Brown Girls Do Gymnastics Camp. I also, too, want to say when we were speaking, um, Darren, about, you know, uh, gymnastics leading to a college scholarship, I am working with an advocacy committee, the American Circus Alliance. We are trying to get circus recognized as an art form so that circus can become uh, credentialed and, uh, you know, on the collegiate level, however mm -hmm. that may be, even if it's non-competitive, but that you can get a degree for these circus arts. And yes. So many historic things that are happening right now and that people are driving that very, very hard. I don't know if you know, but at one point, even um, Cirque du Soleil was going to take over acrobatic gymnastics that, and use that as kind of like a portal from having the sport and um, taking it out of USA Gymnastics and then, you know, kind of using that to funnel, you know, gymnast uh, acrobats into the circus or into Cirque um, in that way. So there's like a lot of different pathways that what you're speaking about makes me think of and ideas that have been out there. But just another like concrete path for those listening out there, too, of, you know, of getting a college scholarship of circus arts recognition so that it isn't just, you know, um, you have to give up one and uh, I hope that eventually they're paired and fused together, which is something that, you know, everybody really wants. And it's crazy to think that that doesn't exist, but it's also crazy to think that there was not a gymnastics team for an HBC exactly. and historically black college. So we are um, in the midst of a lot of change and a lot of beautiful things that are developing that are incredible. You are amazing, Darren. Thank you for your fight, for holding it down, for Brown Girls doing gymnastics. Yes, it's such an amazing thing to celebrate. 
what an accomplishment. I also wanted to say too, in terms of uh, FISC being uh, in Tennessee and being in Nashville, we hope to uh, be connected to Sen uh, Senator Blackburn there um, soon uh, by way of uh, Senator Cortez Masto, uh, the Senator of Nevada on behalf of the circus uh, industry. And so okay. if there is someone there that would like to participate in an upcoming meeting, which is going to, uh, you know, we're going to use that to facilitate how we can get more funding for the circus arts in Tennessee um, and programs that are connected to the circus arts that would be you know gymnastics you know for example because we know that they're all you know enmeshed together they're doing a lot of work for the circus industry there um, or they're wanting to do that but they're trying to understand how to connect the two so I would love to um to connect with those that are representative um, of the industry there, um, Darren, and uh, maybe we can also too bring something fruitful there together. We can get the government more involved and uh, get these grants and get these programs and get funding um, for you know for the industry uh, in Tennessee. So this is also my 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 shout out to the uh, Tennesseans who are doing circus <laughs> on the podcast. Definitely. <laughs> message me or message Darren um, yeah. and get in contact and let's see how we can continue to build everything and keep it thriving because again they go hand in hand the competitive gymnastics world goes hand in hand with the circus industry um, they're starting to be more and more one in the same and uh, both are very important to me uh, I wouldn't be in circus without gymnastics and you know and I have an equal love of both and uh, I have an equal love of seeing more brown girls do gymnastics um, and uh, yeah, seeing that that lineage go uh, on and on and on. So thank you again, Darren. If there's anything else that you want to leave us with, um, please do. Um, I don't know. Um, well, I will say that you can find us at www.browngirlsdogymnastics.com. Um, you can also email admin at browngirlsdogymnastics.com. Um, our conference will be July 22nd through the 24th. Um, <laughs> He's excited. Um, the twenty, the twenty fourth is an invitational exhibition that um, will actually be open to the public, and that's on Fisk campus. So if you're in Nashville um, on the twenty fourth, um, doors will open at nine. We'll have a um, sanctioned competition, and then we will have an exhibition um, with former and collegiate uh, uh, gymnast. So come out if you're in Tennessee. And thank you for having me. <laughs> no, it's such a pleasure, Darren. Thank you for coming on. And I will leave listeners with the Live Like an Acrobat podcast is also available on Circus Talk, the inclusive, independent, and international online network for the circus industry. Circus Talk's mission is to create a level playing field for this industry and democratize access to information. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe and stay